Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. We continue our coverage of the uh, terrifying incidents uh, from Toronto yesterday afternoon. Joining us is uh, Mark Carcassil from uh, Global News, and uh, we'll get to Mark in just a couple of seconds. But uh, to suggest this caught everybody off guard is, is I guess, a massive understatement, uh, including Toronto Chief of Police Mark Saunders, who apparently was out of town yesterday, uh, was informed of this, and actually, I guess, got on a plane in New York and came right back into Toronto. Uh, and he assessed the situation on the scene late yesterday afternoon. It's alleged that the, that, uh, the accused uh, drove on the sidewalks, and it looks intentional. And as a result, uh, 10 people are, are now not with us. What a scene. What an incident. What uh, Just almost surreal to be watching the coverage. Mark Carcassel does join us now, of course, from Global News, uh, who was uh, there yesterday. Mark, uh, in all the years you've been doing this, you've been covering breaking news, uh, varying kinds of things that have happened. Uh, but, but I don't know if anything prepares you for a scene like what you saw yesterday afternoon. Yeah, you know what, Bill? It's, it's sad to say, and while I personally have never covered anything like this, uh, a big sentiment that's been expressed here at the scene uh, over the last day or so is that it was it was only a matter of time before something like this was bound to happen. Uh, we've seen incidents like this around the world uh, for various causes and reasons, obviously, and we don't really know why. That's a question that's being asked, not just by police, but by the people here today. But um, this is something that, unfortunately, in the world we live in today, uh, a lot of people expected to happen at, at some point. They just, I think, you know, no one ever expected to happen to them. And when it happens uh, along Young Street, sort of in the northern end of town, it, it, it it catches people by surprise. People are still having a hard time coming to grips with it today. This is an area that, you know, gets very busy around lunchtime. Yesterday was uh, probably the best uh, weather day we've had uh, this spring so far, and so there were a lot of people out just uh, enjoying lunch, walking around. There's uh, Mel Lastman Square close to Shepherd Avenue where a lot of people hang out for lunch. You get food trucks outside, so it is very much a, a, an outdoorsy type of, you know, area for lunch uh, when the weather's good and, um, you know, just struck with tragedy yesterday. Well, and, and yeah, for people that have been in that area and, and know that part of Young Street, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, shoulder to shoulder at the best of times uh, because of all the activity that's going on up by, uh, by Mount Lastman Square. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, the lunchtime crowd, and it was probably the first time this year that it actually started acting like spring, so everybody's outside and enjoying themselves. The, the, the thing that struck me yesterday, though, in, in the reporting I saw from you and from Farah on, on site, is the enormity of the crime scene. And this, I mean, we think of that intersection, maybe Young Finch, Young Shepherd, but we're told by police now, Mark, this is a, a crime scene that they figure is about 16 blocks long. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess Finch and Shepherd are the two major intersections, if you will, but there are a lot of smaller blocks in between. And when you stand down here and you look down the street, you can, you can sort of barely see the other end of the crime scene from the other. It is a long stretch. This went on for a long time, and that's why you've got such large numbers of, of people injured. At least 25 people uh, that we know of uh, that were hit by that vehicle. The latest numbers coming from Toronto police are that 10 people have passed away from their injuries, many of them dying on scene, not even making it to hospital for treatment. Uh, and you've got 25 injuries as well. And this morning we learned the identity of one of those 10 deceased uh, Anne-Marie D'Amico, who worked uh, in the offices of a U.S. investment company called Invesco uh, here along Yonge Street, and she is just one of many names uh, and faces that we will learn of over the coming days, and her family just one of many that uh, are obviously devastated by an unexpected and senseless loss. 
Mark, do we know the, the identities of any of the other victims? I know we saw that name today, and of course we reported it here on CHML. Uh, but but uh, obviously wondering about some of the other identities. I, I know police haven't uh, made any official statements on this, but but have we been able to ascertain any of that? Not at this point. Uh, Anne-Marie D'Amico is the first one. These things usually sort of trickle out slowly. Usually as posts on social media come out, people offering their, their condolences as they are here at the scene uh, at, a, at a memorial. Um, those names will come out, especially once uh, Alec Manassi and the accused uh, appears in court. We'll get a lot more information about uh, those involved and the charges against him. Um, but uh, at this point, uh, Mr. Miko is the uh, the first name to to come out publicly. What's the scene right there now? I, I, I've seen some some of the pictures, I guess, uh, on social media already this morning, Mark. And as you mentioned, there's a almost like a, a makeshift memorial, I guess, that's being set up. Yeah, we're pretty much on the northeast corner of Young and Finch, and there's a sort of condo community here called Olive Park. And this is where people have, I guess this is the start of the devastation, and that's why this has sort of been the place where the memorial has has cropped up. It's a place that a lot of people ended their day yesterday, and a lot of people today are starting their day. There are Bristol boards with all sorts of handwritten messages in many different languages, because this is a very multicultural uh, area of the city. You've got a large Korean population, a large Russian population, a large Persian population in the area, and so you've got notes in all different languages, flowers laid against the brick wall, uh, stuffed animals, candles. Uh, this is where people have decided to channel their grief. You know, a lot of people are taken aback by this, and this is where many people are offering their condolences and, and showing that this is a community that is, is coming together and won't let a, an incident like this define them. As, as I speak, um, Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath has come to the scene uh, to pay her respects uh, and offer her condolences to the victims. This has sort of been the, the hub of the activity in the aftermath, kind of washing away the devastation that we saw yesterday and, and reclaiming this space as a, as a space where people can, can find comfort and, and togetherness in this time. Mark, contrast with what you see now, almost, a, I guess, a numbness among, among the people that are there this morning. Uh, contrast that with what you saw yesterday and as, as you approach the scene, uh, the, the, I guess the shock that, and disbelief most people must have been experiencing then. Yeah, I can only imagine for the people who were here when it actually happened, the things they saw, the things that they heard. Um, as you walked along Young Street yesterday, shortly in the minutes after it happened, it was just utter devastation. Shoes all over the road and sidewalk from the victims who uh, were hit by this speeding vehicle. Uh, people laying on the ground, many of them motionless, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, many of them dying at the scene, not even making it to hospital. Uh, you know, their lifeless bodies on the ground with people around them just trying to do whatever they can to uh, comfort them or, or offer some sort of aid to them. Uh, the most gruesome injuries I think I've ever seen in my 13 years as a as a reporter. Uh, it was just it was just devastating and totally unexpected. I mean, you can never prepare for something like this, uh, and I think that that showed yesterday. But what was also very touching was to see people, many of whom who you know didn't know first aid or anything like that, but just needed to be there for these people to offer them some sort of comfort uh, in what was for many their their final moments. You try as as a journalist uh, to to 
almost separate yourself from what, what you're covering so you can be analytical about this and, and, and try to, you know, paint a picture for us. But, but it was obvious yesterday that, that, that you could not withhold the emotion that, that you guys were feeling on the site there. The, 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 the shocked look on your faces as you were talking about this and talking to some of the people around there, it's, it, it just consumed everybody, I think. It's, it's hard to hold back, uh, and, you know, it's hard not to be sad and not to be angry or emotional in some way because these are all just people, all 25 people that we know of that were impacted by this. These are people who have families of their own. These are people who were just uh, on a lunch break from work, headed back to work, leaving work, maybe just having a stroll with uh, their significant other. Just people trying to live their lives, just a normal life, not expecting anything, not expecting that they were walking in any sort of danger zone. And within a matter of seconds, their lives are lost or altered forever. Uh, and, and I think that is what makes so many people so emotional, because it, it, it could have been anyone. And they, we're hearing stories from people who are saying that, I walk that path every day. Uh, and maybe had I gone out five minutes earlier or been five minutes later, I could have been one of those 25. So I think that's what makes people most It could have been anyone. This is just a bunch of people who were just going about a... Mark, you mentioned that uh, that obviously the uh, the accused is going to make a court appearance a little bit later on this morning. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, well, I guess there's a city council meeting, so Mayor Tory, I guess, is overseeing that. I think it started just a couple of minutes ago, and I know that's your usual haunt during this time of day. But yeah. but is there is there any anything official from the city in in a response to this? Uh, well, aside from offering you know condolences to the victims, there there's. There's not much for the city to do. I know that today's uh, council meeting will be altered. I don't think there's going to be any actual business dealt with on the council floor today. This is sort of going to be used as a, a day of mourning from, for council, and uh, they'll sort of begin the normal process of business uh, tomorrow. Uh, and I, I, I think many people here in Toronto understand that. I mean, how can you go from the tragedy that struck the city, you know, one of the worst in, in a long time, uh, if not the worst, and then just uh, pick up and, and, and go back to work today. Many of the businesses along Young Street today will be closed, uh, and that was something that Mayor Tory sort of asked the business owners to do here was, you know, keep the lights off, and uh, especially last night, and, and, and just, you know, let police do their thing, and, and let's show a bit of sort of mourning and compassion for for the victims and, and the witnesses. I mean, you can't forget the people who, again, saw and heard those things. They're, while they may not have any physical injuries, their lives will never be the same after what they experienced. Let's, let's, I want to ask you about that. As, as you guys got onto the scene yesterday and, and you saw this, and, and you're trying to deal with your own emotions, and, and you mentioned off the top, Mark, that there, there's no way that you can prepare for something like this, obviously. But the first responders who showed up seconds after this occurred, uh, in answer to, to the call, not just police, but everyone else that was involved in this, uh, right. from all accounts, acted with a, a professionalism as if they knew exactly what to do. And, 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 and that was, that was a, a story in and of itself, the way that they handled the situation. Yeah, and that's, you know, you can look at it and say, well, that's what they're trained to do. That's their job. And, and, and that is correct. And, and those are the people who, you know, the old cliche is they run toward the danger when everyone else runs away from it. But it can't be easy for them to deal with the things that, that they saw. These were uh, gruesome injuries. These aren't your everyday slip and fall injuries. These are catastrophic injuries, uh, you know, that people are not going to recover from physically and emotionally. And it's got to take a toll on them. Uh, and when you speak about the action of first responders, not only those who obviously tended to the, the injured and dying, but uh, 
there's a specific Toronto police officer who made the arrest of the suspect who is getting a lot of credit today for uh, his calmness and his cool-headedness in that situation. I'm sure we've all seen the video and heard the audio from those videos uh, where the suspect is pointing some sort of item which from a distance looked like it could have been a gun at the officer, trying to egg the officer on. It appears goading him into, into shooting him. He's, he's actively telling him, shoot me in the head. I have a gun in my pocket. And that particular police officer who ascertained that that wasn't a gun being pointed at him and, and put his gun away and, and took that suspect down in a, in a peaceful manner is being lauded for his actions today, not just for saving a life that there's probably a lot of people out there saying didn't deserve to be saved, but it'll also give the city and, of course, the loved ones of the victims some answers, hopefully, about why this had to happen. He, the, the officer in charge, he took, he actually, he, he controlled the situation, and that was what was so remarkable about this. Uh, came upon the guy, as you say, the, the first inclination might have been, uh, he did pull his firearm, but to, to fire off around, and he did not. He ascertained exactly what was in the guy's hand, I guess. But actually, he had the composure to actually reach back into the car if he saw the, you have seen the video, I know, and turn yeah. off turn off his siren so he could he could speak more clearly to the to the uh, to the guy who the uh, alleged assailant in this situation. That was in a situation like that to be as calm and collected and as professional as that officer was was truly remarkable. It was really something to see, and and it's something you know there are a lot of people calling him uh, a hero for those actions today because again now we can possibly finally get some answers. But uh, just watching how how calm he was, and even him telling. Uh, the the suspect Alec Manassian, as as Manassian is telling him, shoot me, shoot me. You actually hear him say, no, get down. You know, he's telling him, I'm not going to shoot you. Get down. Uh, whether that's because, I mean, obviously he saw the suspect from a much closer angle than any of us did. Maybe he knew from the get go that that wasn't a gun. It it was apparently a cell phone, according to witnesses. Uh, but just, just the the the, cool, the coolness and the calmness there really really struck a lot of people and. Uh, you know, really, really showed that a properly trained police officer really can do, you know, good things. You mentioned about the impact this is going to have. Obviously, the the, the injuries, the personal injuries, and, and the deaths are tragic in and of themselves. But uh, this is, as you mentioned, Mark, something that people can't wipe out of their memories. I mean, we, we've talked about people that experience uh, traumatic events like this and post-traumatic stress disorder is in order. This, this is something that's going to be around for a long time, and it's going to have an impact on people probably for years. I would say so. I mean, we, we saw witnesses uh, who we spoke to yesterday at Global News just breaking down and crying, just describing what they saw. And that's in the immediate moments. And a lot of times these things take a little bit of time to, to manifest. Uh, but we saw people at the scene just breaking down in tears about what they saw. Uh, these are things that, you know, you, you, you see in movies and you think you can handle it or you see it in the news and it's happened somewhere else. And you think, well, it's sad, but you know, it's not going to happen here, or if it does, it won't be such a big deal. And then it happens, and you just, you can see people breaking down mentally and emotionally right before your eyes, and you can tell that these are people who, again, may not have suffered any physical injuries, but are going to carry on emotional trauma for a long time to come, possibly the rest of their lives. Well, including journalists. I mean, this is not something, as you mentioned off the top, that you've seen every day, and, and it has an impact on you. I know it certainly did on Farah with your reporting yesterday. Uh, and and that's that's something that you can't wipe out of your mind. I mean, that's going to be with you. I'm sure that every time you close your eyes, you see what you saw yesterday. I'm I'm person just speaking personally. I'm you know I'm pretty good at sort of putting that that stuff to the side and uh, you know doing my job and not letting it affect me. But it it is definitely one of those things that that you remember. And in this job, you know, doing it like I said, I've I've done it for 13 years. 
I thought up until yesterday I'd seen everything. I've, I've seen bodies before. You know, I've, I've told very tragic tales before. But it's it's always something that 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 you remember definitely, and, and you know uh, I'll never forget those images. That's for sure. Well, uh, great reporting from everybody on scene yesterday uh, under very dire circumstances. I really appreciate the, the great job you guys did yesterday, and thanks so much for spending some time with us today, Mark. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Mark Carcassel, uh, global news reporter, who, uh, along with uh, global anchor Farinasa, was on the scene yesterday. I think one of the more poignant shots that I saw watching the news yesterday uh, was was the shot of Farah. She was right there on Young Street, of course, doing her reporting, as was Mark. And and right behind her, there was an orange tarp. There was a body, right about, what, 20 feet behind her, 30 feet behind her? Uh, and it, <laughs> there were that many of them that I guess you, it was just part of the scene, no matter where you looked. Uh, the, to see that sort of carnage, and it was uh, it was almost surreal to actually see that sort of thing going on, and to think this is Toronto that's happening. It's it's really hard to get your head around that. But as we mentioned, uh, much more to be learned. Uh, the court appearance uh, by uh, Manassian will uh, happen later on this morning, and I'm sure we'll get some information. And uh, I know that Chief Saunders uh, had a makeshift uh, news conference yesterday on the site. But uh, there's a lot more investigating to be done about this individual, about uh, the motivation for the act, and so much more. And uh, that's information that's going to, I would come out in dribs and drabs, I guess, uh, in the passage of time over the next few days. But uh, an awful lot of people with stories to tell and memories that will never go away with that terrible tragedy. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.